Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 47 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today addresses cybersecurity threats and compliance. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. Today's podcast is sponsored by Tom Fox, who has released his new comprehensive book, The Complete Compliance Handbook. Thank you, Mike. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'm extraordinarily pleased to announce the publication of my latest book, The Complete Compliance Handbook. This one-volume compendium provides you the most up-to-date advice on what constitutes a best practices compliance program. I bring together the top ideas, the top commentators, the top techniques, and topics that you can incorporate into your compliance program, literally in a 31-day format, to more fully operationalize your company's compliance regime. It incorporates the Department of Justice's 2017 Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs and information from the new FCPA Corporate Enforcement Policy. If you want one volume to guide you in operationalizing compliance, this is it. It's available starting May 21 on Amazon.com. If you'd like an autographed copy, please order one from my website, www.fcpacompliancereport.com, and I will mail it to you. This is Tom Fox. I hope you will check it out. I know you will find it useful. Thanks, Tom. And I'm glad that we are able today to finally uh, get to talking about cybersecurity threats and compliance. I've been meaning to try to get to this topic for a while, given how important it's become. Um, You know, many surveys of corporate risk uh, identify cybersecurity as the number one risk facing corporations today. Uh, And we always see reports of, you know, board concerns And this uh, is the new sort of top of the list in terms of threats to uh, a company and its uh, operations. And it's not surprising, you know, given the headlines and devastating consequences that we've seen for like Target, Experian, uh, and others, uh, Yahoo, uh, that a company has experienced from hacking, data breaches, and privacy concerns. At the same time, we're also uh, seeing federal and state enforcement agencies and prosecutors uh, quickly catching up, uh, passing new laws, and leveraging civil and criminal statutes to charge companies for cybersecurity failures, privacy failures. Uh, obviously, uh, data protection is a hot topic this uh, these days. And even in addition uh, to this sort of enforcement focus, there also are significant collateral consequences. Um, Companies face real tangible threats to their reputation uh, when they fail to secure customer information and have to remediate or go through a data breach type process, uh, or when they fall, even when they fall victim to outside attacks without a sort of breach. So let's start with a, a basic understanding, and I call this the Carl Sagan, uh, you know, billions and billions uh, stats, which are supposed to uh, indicate the amount of threat that's going on. Um, and let's start with a basic understanding. Since cyber intrusions, for example, since tw- 2007 are, have been increasing in scope and kind and threat, And each year since 2007 has seen an increase in cyber intrusions that are reported. Keep in mind, uh, there are situations where it's not reported. 
And there are real issues uh, with regard to that because companies uh, try to keep certain uh, information to themselves, but then may have disclosure requirements and other types of issues with regard to consumer data or sensitive information. So the types of intrusions and threats have definitely evolved over time. And now, I, the way I see it, companies face the two most significant threats so far are phishing, uh, you know, phishing attempts to get access to uh, inside um, computer systems or inside information systems, and ransomware. Uh, on the billions and billions Carl Sagan approach, uh, the FBI estimates right now that ransomware will generate at least $1 billion for criminals. Uh, businesses stand to lose at least $400 billion each year from hacks. And we're seeing an explosion in cyber defense, cyber forensics, and in the insurance industry, uh, which will in total be worth nearly $200 billion by the end of this decade, which is only two years away. So each year, there's an average of about 1.5 million cyber attacks, or approximately 4,000 per day. Um, this year, companies, for example, that had a data breach involving 10,000 or fewer records suffered an average cost of $4.9 million, and those with a loss or theft of 50,000 uh, 50, records or fewer records suffered an average cost of $13.1 million. When it comes to data loss, and this is a really interesting fact to me, is that internal actors in a company were responsible for 43% of these data losses, half of which, half of that 43% was intentional, and half of which was ex accidental. So insiders are a real threat, and insiders who have access to information and your information systems are definitely a real threat. And those who act intentionally use, usually are seeking to steal proprietary information, such as trade secrets uh, or personal or financial information. Uh, in particular, internal act actors are usually uh, looking for employee information, customer information, intellectual property, payment card information, or other type of financial information. External actors uh, who attack are usually seeking the same complement of data with minor differences among the categories that we just mentioned. Um, malware attacks typically involve a computer virus that attaches itself to a program or to a file, enabling it to spread from one computer to another. Ransomware, like its name, holds your computer hostage by locking your computer or threatening to destroy data in ex uh, and demanding a, a, a payment to release uh, or to unlock the computer or not to destroy data. For example, in March of 2016, Hollywood Presbyterian Medical Center was locked out of its electronic health records for a week before officials agreed to pay hackers $17,000 in Bitcoin. Uh, in May 2018, an oil and gas construction company suffered ransomware attack where hackers encrypted servers and all the backup files in over 40 employee computers. The company was locked out of email and the entire network and its ERP system for nine days, costing it nearly $1.6 Spyware secretly gathers uh, 
private information about the user's activities, such as internet usage and keystroke logs, as a means to steal passwords and other sensitive data. Uh, a public breach usually is the result of uh, targeted attacks against business operations, financial operations, and human resources. The impact of such an attack, if successful, we've, and we all know of situations, cuts across the whole organization, has an impact on every aspect of the company. Interestingly, healthcare and financial services industries are the largest at-risk private industries and the most attacked. Um, so the, the combination of all of this and the fact that there is uh, insider, accidental, intentional type of um, risks that are involved here, to me, cries out for companies to design and implement a comprehensive risk mitigation strategy. That is, combining information technology and security and proactive training and other types of uh, strategies uh, and policies and procedures and controls, and that calls out for compliance. Um, and compliance has to be, have, and I've argued for a while, that compliance should have a seat at the table given the, the proactive nature of responding to some of these risks. So to understand your risk, basic security and risk assessments should be conducted, looking at your company's assets and the specific threats and vulnerabilities inside your company. So as part of this process, a company should map and classify its data by identifying the types of data, where it's stored exactly, uh, developing protection plans for each class of data, and taking steps, steps to implement the protection plan. A company needs to understand its vulnerabilities, such as software patching and updates needed to protect your software. Access control is critical. Who has access to your computer system, your information system? Who has access to various classes of data? And do they really need it? Uh, then you also need to examine third-party vendors and whether they operate securely and do not expose you to vulnerabilities. Uh, that's one of the things in the Internet of Things these days and in third-party risks, we're seeing that hackers can gain access to certain systems through a company's third parties. And finally, we need to acknowledge and deal with uh, internal act actors who have access to sensitive data and may create real risks and harm to your company. For each of those internal actors, the question has to be, should they have access and what level of access should they have to carry out specific functions. If they don't need to have access or there's no justification for it, they shouldn't be given it. The largest vulnerability is typically the trusted users who, obviously internal actors who have a legitimate reason for access, but who decide to engage in misconduct and know then how to exploit vulnerabilities and manipulate their trusted role. Cybersecurity risk mitigation uh, involves several key steps. Obviously, uh, we've talked about identifying the risks. We have to protect the company's assets. We have to have a way to detect vulnerabilities or attacks, respond to the threat or attack, recover from the threat or attack, and then repeat that process. Keep doing that process. Uh, and that's your circular, continuous loop uh, in, in my mind. Your key policies and process requirements, in my view, divide into two categories. Uh, one is 
uh, you have your information technology and your specialists and experts in that area, and and I'm going to shorthand non-information technology, uh, which would be sort of compliance uh, and the compliance role. But there, that's a broad term that I'm using here. It just doesn't mean a chief, a compliance officer. It's uh, the partner, the logical partner for the information technology specialists. So on the IT side, to protect data privacy, for example, IT has to implement an encryption algorithm and change process and then secure data transfers and storage. Um, and th this is really key in terms of encryption is just a basic requirement these days. To manage identities and access, IT has to implement a centralized system for managing identities, passwords, uh, that type of uh, uh, password system. If you're going to have uh, double uh, authorization, um, that type of thing as well. To identify threats, the IT should also implement some kind of artificial intelligence solution for intrusion detection. And for third-party vendor management, IT, probably working with the non-IT, should develop a workflow tool to track third parties' vendors and make sure that they have adequate security themselves. On the non-IT side, or let's call it the compliance function, uh, and again, under the broad definition, to protect data privacy, compliance should develop an information governance framework. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in terms of policies and procedures. Needs to learn uh, and has to classify data and implement training and awareness programs. To manage identities and access passwords uh, and uh, employee access and who and when an employee leaves, they terminate access. Compliance should develop onboarding procedures for employees, third parties, and vendors. Uh, to keep up with evolving threats and risks, compliance should uh, stay aware themselves through information sharing and analysis organizations, uh, which were called, uh, and these were created by an executive order in the Obama administration in 2015. It's actually a great way if you can join it. Uh, they're called ISOs, A-I-S-A-Os, Information Sharing and Analysis Organizations, as a way to stay abreast of current threats. And finally, with respect to third-party risk compliance, obviously should include cyber risks and risk ranking process and based on the relationship of the third party to critical business services like its financial data, employee data that they handle, and their level of access to data and sensitive information. So as part of your third party risk management program, this should be ladled into that overall program. The company also has to develop policies and procedures governing incident response and planning, um, and obviously for data breaches and, and your response to it and how you're going to deal with it. Asset inventories, digital and non-digital, metrics and reporting of uh, your policies and procedures and training and awareness. Um, IT and uh, compliance have to play a key role in coordinating with each other, dealing with each other, for example, in response to an incident, IT would focus on containment of the threat and eradication, while compliance or the non-IT functions would coordinate business, public relations, legal, customer service, and a risk management response. 
And the final topic I wanted to cover is how do you create a broad governance and strategy framework for all of the above listed functions and activities? And the items within the governance and strategy should include uh, the following. A cybersecurity risk profile and management uh, protocol and procedure. A cybersecurity risk management program. Organization roles and responsibilities. Who's responsible for what? Uh, and who handles what, implementation of appropriate controls to uh, protect the company and gain the, get the greatest return on investment. In other words, investing in certain uh, security measures or intrusion detection uh, software systems uh, such that um, you maximize your return on investment. And then legal and compliance guidance on global, federal, and state requirements with regard to cybersecurity. There's a lot these days uh, in that area, given the uh, the sort of broad role that states have, the the less significant role that the feds have taken. Uh, but now we have the EU, and we have uh, uh, global sort of requirements that are uh, kicking into people who operate in the global marketplace. And last, but probably uh, one of the most essential aspects, is that companies have to have cyber insurance and adequate coverage for any of these events. So this is a basic outline I wanted to address in terms of cybersecurity threats and compliance. There's more to it in terms of as you get into building a compliance program and building a information technology functions that need to embrace this. What is very clear is that this is just not something that should be solely handled by an information technology uh, office. Um, we're seeing, obviously, the development and the expansion of chief information security officers uh, as well as uh, data privacy officers. And these are all good developments and people that should be coordinating with compliance and with IT and developing these types of uh, frameworks. So we'll try to uh, get back to this topic of, uh, down the road, but I uh, wanted to uh, at least uh, start off with this initial podcast on the issue. Okay, thank you again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.bolkofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our new podcast series. You can contact me with my email address at mvolkoff.bolkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals.